As we began praying about what God was calling us to as a church, we really felt that we need to really grow in our capacity and grow in our um, desire to really seek God's face. Blair read out a passage from 2 Chronicles earlier. It says, If my people who are called by my name would humble themselves and pray uh, and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will heal their land. And uh, this is that, that particular statement in, in Chronicles is true as it was then as today. Uh, that we want to be a people who seek God's face, who turn from our wicked ways, who cry out to God in humility, and He will hear and He will heal our land. And friends, the Bay of Plenty, uh, the Bay of Plenty, <laughs> the Hawks Bay, the Bay of Plenty, we'll, we'll sort them out later. Uh, we'll start with the Hawks Bay. <laughs> Hawks Bay needs some healing. Hawks Bay needs some healing. Like there's some, like every week, it doesn't feel like a week goes by without something seriously tragic going on in our region. Gang shootings, children getting beaten with an inch of their lives. I mean, it's just, there's just so much pain and so much hurt. But also, if we're really honest, we need Jesus. We need Him to heal this land, the land of our hearts. Right, how many of us just feel like it's been a battle this year? How many of us feel like, man, I had so many good resolutions at the start of the year and here I am and hasn't even, we haven't even got the end of February yet and I'm struggling again? Well, I'm not going to ask for a show of hands. <laughs> but just, you know, if people haven't told you they're battling, they're hiding the battle normally. Everyone's battling in some way, shape or form. And, uh, you know, we all just need more of Him. We need more of Him. And that's why we're going to do uh, these 21 days and why we want to make it a regular thing and why we want to grow our spiritual muscles when it comes to prayer and fasting as a church. And what I find so exciting is that this isn't just something that God is doing in Bay Vineyard, but it's something He's doing in Puramai and it's something He's doing at Bay City. And all churches all over the show are doing randomly 21 days of prayer and fasting. It wasn't planned by the pastors. We're not that organised. Our church in Christchurch, prayer and fasting. All over, Rice Church, prayer and fasting. There's just a lovely sense where God is calling His church back to these basics because all the, you know, you can do all the tricky things you want in church and like razzle-dazzle and all the rest of it, but it's empty without His power. It's empty without His Spirit. That's what we need. Jesus says these words in John chapter 17. Now, this is a fascinating point in the life of Jesus because this is near the end of His ministry. In fact, if you turn over your Bibles to the next chapter, you'll notice Jesus gets arrested and begins His journey to uh, to Calvary to be crucified. And so this is like His, his big uh, go team talk to his disciples, which begins in John 15 and is all about stay close to me, remain in me. If you want to bear much fruit, and the fruit he's talking about is love, joy, and peace. If you want that sort of fruit in your life, you've got to learn to remain in me, be grafted into the vine. Uh, but then he finishes in John 17 with a great prayer for us, his church. And he says this I just want to read from one little excerpt from John 17, verse 20 to 21. I pray also for those who believe in me through their message that all of them may be one. So Jesus says, I pray for all of these people who I've yet to meet, but these people are going to hear my message because these disciples are going to go out and spread the good news that Jesus Christ is Lord. And so as he he says, I pray pray for these guys. So Jesus is praying for us. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they be one. 
May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. So Jesus is saying, I want them to be so united in heart, it's like the Trinity. Not only that, I want them to live a life that's just actually living in that Trinitarian love. To, to be, may they also be in us is what Jesus says. May they be so close, it's like they're inside of us. This is why we talk about Jesus coming into your life or coming into your heart. This is where it stems from. The sense where Jesus makes his home in your mortal body. And this, this overweight, you know, balding body of mine, Jesus somehow comes and makes his home here with all of my failings and all of my mistakes. But he also says, I want us to be one. So the reason that we're doing prayer and fasting is, multi, is the multi-level kind of thing here. But the first reason is that for those that choose to engage with this, and I'm praying that you don't just, you're not a spectator through this. It's so easy to spectate during these sort of seasons. We think, oh, this is for the hardcore guys. I'll just let the hardcore guys do it. I'm not a hardcore guy. I'm just, I'm a bit of a muppet. Now, again, if only those that are new to the church will probably think that because anyone that's been here a while knows that I'm a big fan of Muppets and Jesus picked 12 of them to be his disciples. He loves using Muppets. That seems to be the people he especially chooses, right? So if you're thinking, oh, not me, you've got a giant bullseye on you because you're exactly the sort of person that Jesus loves to use. He has always used ordinary, weak people. When will we get it through our thick heads that that's who he loves using? And so we can all be engaged in the season of prayer and fasting. And what it will do is it will bring a unity to us. How that looks, totally different for everyone. Like, we're not a cult. <laughs> Grow on the beard once or twice, but we trimmed it back because I thought it was starting to look like a cult leader or whatever. So it's like, we're not a cult. We're not going to tell you what you have to do. The Holy Spirit's in charge and He will lead you. Some of you are pregnant. Some of you are sick. Some of you fasting food's a dumb idea and you just shouldn't do it. So I'm just it's like, whatever. Just let the Holy Spirit lead you about what the prayer looks like and what the fasting looks like. But just engage in some way, shape or form. But here's the reason why, here's the, reason, the, the supreme reason why, and it's not what you think. Let me unpack it this way by jumping into a book from uh, Henry Nowen, an amazing author, called Return of the Prodigal, A Story of Homecoming. And he says this, The question is not how am I to find God, but how am I to let myself be found by Him? The question is not how am I to know God, but how am I to let myself be known by God? And finally, the question is not how am I to love God, but how am I to let myself be loved by God? God is looking into the distance for me, trying to find me and longing to bring me home. And all three parables which Jesus tells in response to the question of why he eats with sinners, he puts the emphasis on God's initiative. God is the shepherd who goes looking out for his lost sheep. God is the woman who lights a lamp and sweeps out the house and searches everywhere for her lost coin until she has found it. And God is the father who watches and waits for his children and then runs out to meet them, embraces them, pleads with them and begs them and urges them to come home. That I just love this. It totally changes the, the, the perspective of why we do prayer and fasting. I am doing prayer and fasting because I want to be found by God. I'm doing prayer and fasting because I want to be loved by God. I want to be known by Him. I can't wait for tonight for two reasons. Number one, I'm not running it. Hallelujah. I get to be a punter. I get to turn up for once in this church and just let Blair be in charge. And I can't wait. That's such a rare feeling for me. And I'm especially looking forward, I've got to be honest, for the first bit, which is just us and Jesus where we just humble ourselves and sit with Him. And I can't wait because I'm going to find a little posse in Pyramid Lounge somewhere and I'm just going to sit there for the half hour, which is that first slot, and I'm just going to let God love me. 
I'm just going to let God love me. I can't wait. Oh, it's going to be so nice. I've been looking forward to it all week. Doesn't that sound good? That's the joy that, that Blair's talking about. Not like I have to go to a prayer meeting. I get to go to a prayer meeting. I get to go there because not only do I, of course I want to love him. He's awesome. He's worthy of love. But it starts with knowing I'm loved. It always begins with that revelation. Every ministry begins there. Every work of significance, your source of identity should come from that place of I'm loved by him. And so prayer is simply positioning ourselves in a place where we can let God love us. So I'm so passionate about it. Like we've got all of our home church resources that we're building to help help you know disciple people into a deeper devotional life. And I'm gonna you'll hear that quote when, on that set in, the, in that session. But it's like why? It's because I want to position myself every day just to be loved by Him. The world's tough. It's brutal. It's like you go through Twitter or read the news every day, and it's just like you just get compassion fatigue. It's just like oh. And it's like, you can't survive. And no wonder people have got anxiety issues and depression issues and have just so lost in the world today because that's what we feed, feed, feed ourselves with that sort of stuff. So no, the most important thing for the follower of Jesus is to position ourselves in a lonely place of solitude where we can just let Jesus love us. That's why we're doing this season. It's just for three weeks to go up a gear in terms of positioning ourselves to just let Jesus love us. And it's exactly the same with fasting. Richard Foster says this in his book, Celebration of Discipline. Fasting reminds us that we are sustained by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God, Matthew 4, verse 4. Food does not sustain us, God sustains us. In Christ, all things are held together, Colossians 1.17. Therefore, in experiences of fasting, we are not so much abstaining from food as we are feasting on the Word of God. Fasting is feasting. When the disciples brought lunch to Jesus, assuming that he would be starving, he declared, I have food to eat of which you do not know. My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. And so this is another reason why, again, I'm looking, no, I'm kind of semi-looking, I'm more looking forward to the prayer than I am the fasting, if I'm super honest, because uh, I really love my food. But, but there is a sense where I want to say, uh, Lord, I want to just discover afresh that you are the ultimate when it comes to sustaining me, and, and it's your word that sustains me, and, and I want you more than ever. And uh, Matthew 6, verse 16, I've got it here, good. When you fast, now, interesting there, let's just point there, for, pause there for a second. What Jesus says to his disciples, the interesting thing, he says, when you fast, not if you fast. Interesting, eh? Jesus just presumes that followers of Jesus are going to be fasting at some point. Uh, it says, when you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show others they are fasting. I love this, eh? Like back in the day with Jesus and the whole like the whole kind of Jewish thing, like the whole church buzz effectively going on back then, you've got like the hardcore Christians who are like the Pharisees and, and they're like good people. Like we love picking on them, but they're like the good, solid people that really took the word of God seriously. But then like their whole religious thing kicks in where we've got to look spiritual to other people, you know? And so Jesus is like, oh, because it takes takes away the whole point of it. Fasting's not like so I can sh show off to others that I'm a super Christian, which is what Jesus is challenging here. Fasting is this thing of saying, I want you more than all these other things. I want you more. And uh, I don't want that level of intimacy with you. So he's like, don't do, don't do what these guys do. And so they would actually disfigure their faces and they would like put on like special clothes and stuff and like, you know, and like make it really clear. Oh, no, mate, no, that's all good. Just my face is a bit disfigured because I'm really fasting. 
And he's like, mate, don't do that. Do the opposite. Put oil on your head. Wash your face so that, uh, so that it will not be obvious to others that you are fasting, but only to your Father who is unseen. And your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. John Wesley said, let, uh, first let fasting be done unto the Lord with our eyes singly fixed on him. Let our intention herein be this, and this alone, to, glory our, to glorify our Father who is in heaven. So the whole point of fasting is saying it's for you. It's I want you, God, more than anything else. I'm not doing this to impress other people. It's saying I want you. Um, Jesus is regularly, interestingly, in the Gospels, asking this question. You'll, you'll notice it all the time. He's asking people, what do you want? What do you want? He'll ask it to people who are clearly maimed in some way or blind. What do you want? He, uh, he asks uh, the, the disciples' mothers come up to him at some point and say, what do you want? And Jesus stands before us saying, what do you want? And this is an opportunity for us to answer that question and say, this is what I want. I want you. I want you in my life. I want to be a walking renewal. I want a spiritual awakening to begin with me. I want you. But fasting and prayer is, is going beyond just good intentions to actually following through with that desire. Uh, when me and Jen, uh, just when we first started dating, and Jen's like, what's he going to say? <laughs> I have not run this past her. Oh, I love this feeling. <laughs> Living on the edge. <laughs> so when me and Jen first um, just got together, we were training for a half marathon. And uh, and basically what had happened is that um, I realised my life was a shambles in terms of discipline in all sorts of areas. So I was like, so one day I was like, that's it, I'm making a, I'm making a new man plan. So this is my Sam Harvey new man plan. And I didn't know, didn't have the language for, for it then, but it was a rule of life. I was actually flatting with Gemma at the time as well. And so Gemma might remember this, but there's this moment where I was like, all of a sudden I was like, that's it, I can't sustain life like this anymore. And this is like, I'm all struggling and I've got no children and I've got like, you know, I have so much time, it's ridiculous when I look back on it and I could sleep pretty much whenever I wanted. Like, I just remember those glorious days. So like, I thought it was tough. I had no idea how bad it could get. So I was like, I've got to get a new man plan. I've got to get some discipline in my life. So I've got spiritual disciplines in place and I started, I was like, I need a goal. I'm going to have, I'm going to run a half marathon. And so, and, and trust me, I was unfit. Like, I, I remember my very first run, I got up crack of dawn and I went for this run, which was three kilometres and I made it one and it was hands on knees and it was begging for mercy and I was shot. I couldn't run one kilometre without stopping and, and, sure, and I was like, but I'm going to do this. And so the marathon must have been in about three or four or five months. It was a decent enough time anyway that I just trained. I trained and I trained and I had like full out, marked out, like just increasing my Ks and all the rest of it. And in the offices... Uh, Jim was working at our church at the time, and uh, and so she, um, and that's how we wound up married. Actually, uh, scandalous story around there. But um, we, uh, she was, so we weren't dating at the time. But um, she was, oh yeah, no, I'd love to do that as well. We should totally do that. And I was like, cool. So um, we didn't train together, but um, I presume Jim was training, and I was training, and I was like, and like Jim's definitely competitive. I knew that about her. So I was like, you know, it's probably a wee bit of motivation for me to keep on my running game. Plus, Jim's super fit, just in general. Like to this day, she's just unbelievably strong and fit. Just kick my butt in any way, shape, or form. Um, and then. <laughs> 
then I said to Jim one particular day at the office, I said, oh, yeah, I did, this, I did like a 17-kilometer training run. This is about three or four weeks out from the marathon, half marathon. And Jen looked freaked. She looked genuinely panicked. She was like, I can't believe you did. You actually ran that. And I was like, yeah, it felt amazing. Like, you slowly burdened my up. I said, like, how's your training going? And she's like, and then she, she started telling me that mentally she'd been doing a lot of training, <laughs> but she hadn't done a lot of actual running, but she was feeling good, like she was mentally, she was visualising a lot about the training. <laughs> and then Jen went, and I think the next day you went and did this crazy 17 or 18 kilometre run around Palmy after running only two or three k's or something before then, completely destroying herself, completely took herself to the limit, but she's so mentally strong, clearly it had worked a degree because she did finish it. Um, and I don't want to go into details about who came first in the half marathon, um, <laughs> <laughs> Shush, this is, when you get the mic, you get a turn. But I was very proud of my time. <laughs> now, I say all that to illustrate this. There's a big difference between saying, I want you, God, and I want your purposes in the bay, and actually saying, Lord, I'm going to pray, and Lord, I'm going to fast, because I want to see you break into my life in a whole new way, and I want to see that addiction broken, or I want to see that family member saved. Or, you know, and we're, we're going to be putting stuff out you know, as we go through these weeks. But our prayers are renewal, discipleship, and wholeness. We want to see God. We want a spiritual awakening in the bay. We want people coming home. We want people like Lindley, right, just feeling the love of God, right? Just, just begins to make a few little prayers and a few little steps toward God. And he just runs just in a totally undignified way and embraces and says, come home, let's party. Like that's who, we want to see that happening all over the bay. So we want to knock on the door of heaven and say, Lord, we want you to heal our land. And so we're going to humble, we're going to pray, we're going to fast, we're going to seek your face. There's a whole, diff- there's a massive difference between intention and action. And Jesus knew this. The end of the Sermon on the Mount, it wasn't about, hey, it wasn't it good that you listened to my sermon. It was like, you need to put these words into practice. If you don't put it into practice, you're building your hand on your, your house on shaky sand. If you put it into practice, that's when you start building your life on the rock. And so he says, uh, he, he invites us today to, uh, to, to seek him and to put our, our, uh, our desire into action. And so I want to give us some space as we finish this morning um, to wait on the Lord and just say, Lord, what does it look like for me to engage with this season? And I'm, I'm, we're not asking you to feed that back. We're not asking you to report back. It's between you and the Lord. But I want to just invite God just to, to come and just by Spirit just to speak to us and for us to say, yes, Lord, I think this is what you're calling me to. And I don't want to just have intentions. I want to have actions. So I'm going to go to that prayer meeting, even though I wasn't planning on doing that. I'm going to go to Adiana and Bryson's on Monday night, or I'm going to Craig's on Wednesday night, or on this day, Lord, I'm just going to fast. And and every time I feel that hunger pang, it's going to be this reminder, Lord, I want you. Lord, sustain me. Lord, pour out your spirit on the bank. I finished with this. In Hebrews 11 verse 6, it says, Without faith, it's impossible to please God, because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. He rewards those who earnestly seek him. He rewards. Friends, there is a reward. There is a reward when we earnestly seek him. In some small way, there will be a reward because you will be changed over these three weeks to become a little bit more like Jesus. 
that what a great reward. There is a reward because what happens with prayer and fasting isn't that God's heart changes, it's that our heart changes. And that as I pray for those that are hurting and broken and lost in this region, I actually get more of God's heart. I'm the one that's changed in prayer and fasting, and I'm not doing this to twist God's arm. I'm the one that gets changed. There is a reward. There's a reward because there's a new humility of heart that says, Lord, I'm not just going to do this in my own strength. It's not by might nor by power, but it's by your spirit. There's a reward in the humility of heart. But ultimately, there's this reward because as we choose to seek him and put it into place, there's a new intimacy with God. We position ourselves in places where we can receive his love where we can receive His grace, when we can feel the presence of the Almighty God surrounding us and loving us, even in the midst of our failings, even in the midst of our brokenness, even though we've had our blinking face in the pig, pig trough you know, just a week ago, we can just feel His embrace and we can feel His love and we can just sense Him saying, come home, come home, and we can rest in Him. And so I want to invite us as we begin these three weeks to... Um, to respond to the invitation of God and say, yes, I want to be part of this. I want to be part of this. And uh, to encourage each other in that. Let's stand together.